All right, welcome everybody to part three of our bullying prevention podcast about mistruths and what to do about preventing bullying. Um, I'm Dr. Greg Moody, and this is Senior Master Laura Sanborn. How are you doing, ma'am? I'm doing great, sir. How about right. yourself? I'm doing great. Well, she's a seventh degree black belt and uh, senior master instructor. She's been teaching for decades. So she's here to be our uh, additional uh, speaker about bullying prevention. Uh, let me give you a little bit of background on myself. And this is also about her. We're both, uh, both again, master instructors. Uh, my background is I've, uh, I'm a licensed counselor, but I'm also a uh, a PhD in education. My focus was on bullying, is on bullying prevention. That's what my area of research is. And the research that I did for my doctoral dissertation, if I didn't mention it on the prior podcast, was the benefits of martial arts uh, for kids regarding bullying. And what we determined in the research was, and what we'll present here in some of the subsequent podcasts is, when kids are going through a martial arts program for uh, enough time to get their black belt, that bullying is reduced by about twice as much. Well, more than more than any other school-based bullying prevention program, bullying is reduced. So that's kind of the, the upshot of the summary of what we're going to talk about. But what we want to do today, regardless of whether you're doing martial arts or not, is talk about the myths that we need to overcome to really understand bullying, understanding what bullying is and what it isn't, and then what to do. So if you haven't watched the prior podcast, we recommend you watch those. Doesn't mean you won't get a lot out of that today if you're jumping in now. And what we're gonna cover today is, uh, is jumping ahead, we've covered what some of the effects of bullying are on kids who bully, but now we're gonna cover a really interesting part of it, which is what are the effects of bullying on the kids who are doing the bullying of the effects on the kids who are the bullies. Now, a lot of times people would think, well, who cares about those kids? Those guys are being jerks. So why do we care about them? But there's a lot of very serious effects and we have to do something about this, not just to punish these kids and because they're going to have some negative consequences in their life. Uh, Master Sanborn, what, uh, what are your thoughts on this before we kind of jump into it? Yeah, I was very surprised when I learned this during, <coughs> excuse me, during our original investigation into bullying, because I had assumed that the bullying kids had such high self-esteem already. That's why they were, you know, just using that self-esteem and power to, to push around other people. So it didn't occur to me that there were negative consequences to them doing the bullying. You know, the reason they would bully is because it you know, it felt good and they felt better because they were being bullied and they felt more powerful. So it didn't occur to me that there would be those type of negative consequences in their, in their later life, even much less current while it's happening. Yeah. There's a little bit of a contrasting thing. The number one thing when I ask a group uh, about why do you think kids bully is they almost <laughs> always, well, it's a group of teachers or a group of, uh, uh, a group of, uh, uh, you know, people that aren't even involved with working with kids is almost inevitably somebody says, well, kids who bully are kids with low self-esteem. That's the common trait. And what we know is, is kids, uh, is, is kids that bully are often not kids who have low self-esteem. And we'll talk about that a little bit later, but if the opposite is true is kids who bully are tend to have about average or better than average self-esteem, why would this have negative consequences? Well, let me just share some of the data with you. Kids who bully are more likely to get, get into fights, 
Well, that's not a surprise, right? But these fights aren't with other kids. They, they would potentially be with kids that they are bullying, but they're also with other kids, other kids in school. Um, they're, all, they're, they're getting in altercations with lots of other people. They're more likely to get injured. They're more likely to steal and vandalize properly. Vandal, vandalized property, not vandalized properly. Um, they're more likely to drink alcohol early. They're more likely to smoke. This is as a youngster. And they're more likely to drop out of school, be truant. Hmm. You don't hear that word a lot, but drop out of school. They're also more likely to uh, have low academic achievement. So poor grades. They're more likely to also report a negative climate at school. So these kids, even though what we're going to find is that kids who bully do it for a variety of reasons, including improving their social status. They're also more likely to perceive that school is bad, that school has a negative, um, is a negative environment for them. They're more likely to bring a weapon to school than the average student, not than the kids who are being bullied, but than the average person. Now, here's one that will probably blow your mind. In some research that was done in 1993, so it's a little bit dated, but it still holds up in different research. It just is hard research to do, so they don't do it frequently. In, in research that was done in 1993, 60%, I'm gonna kind of draw a block here, 60% of boys who were bullied in middle school had at least one conviction of a felony by the age of 24. Is so were bullied or ones who did bully? These are all these statistics are about kids who were, who bullied, kids who bullied, they bullied other kids. So kids who bullied other kids in middle school had at least one felony conviction, Jeez. conviction by the age of 24. Now, if you know anything about felonies, and I hope that not that many people do know much about felonies on this call, but if you know anything about felonies, it's pretty hard to get a felony conviction. This Felonies are things like murder, uh, uh, you know, assault. Um, they have to, you know, do some really, really bad things. I don't even want to list all the things that they have to do to have to be a felony. Felony doesn't mean driving too fast. Felony doesn't even mean um, small, uh, you know, minor theft, misdemeanor theft. Misdemeanors are, there's a whole variety of crimes that are considered misdemeanors. And very frequently when people go to court, they plead down from a felony to a misdemeanor. So convicted of a felony means it was serious enough that they didn't even get to plead down to a misdemeanor on their first conviction. 60%, more than half of kids that were in middle school and bullied other kids were convicted of a felony. Here's another statistic, 40% had three or more convictions. 
by the time they were 24. They were also four times as likely as their peers to have multiple convictions. So if we look at this picture and kids who bully get into fights, get injured, steal, drink, smoke, they drop out of school, they have lower academic achievement, get poorer grades, there's a negative climate they, uh, that they perceive at school, they are more likely to bring weapons. 60% of kids who bully in middle school are convicted of felonies and then it gets even worse from there. Kids who bully are a group that we have to pay special attention to, partly of course, because we wanna protect the kids who are bullied, of course, but we also need to do something about this to make sure these kids don't have other problems. This is not just to protect the kids who are bullied. This is to protect the kids who are bullying. Again, we're not trying to be nice to them for the sake of protecting the kid. Uh, we're, we're not trying to be nice to them uh, in spite of their bad behavior. What we're trying to do is understand that this is a problem that needs to be fixed for both kids' sake. It's a problem that needs to be fixed so that both kids have positive futures. Now, who does bully? Again, common myth, kids who bully are outcasts or loners. They have bad social skills, bad self-esteem. That's a myth. In reality, they're very rarely socially isolated. They're very rarely have low self-esteem. They usually, in fact, have peers that support them. Often they're the popular kids. So in reality, they have better than average social skills. And I think for most people, when I explain this, they think back about the kids who were bullying other kids at school and go, gee, those kids were the ones that when something happened, they had a snappy comeback. They had a way to resolve situations if there were problems. They had a way if they were in an, a verbal altercation, they could come up with something that was uh, the right thing to say at the right time. So they can think that those kids also probably had better than the average, not necessarily better than average, but average or better than average self-esteem. Now, there's a special group of kids um, that we're going to talk about a little later that this doesn't apply to. But in general, this is the case of kids who bully. And it really isn't a single profile. This doesn't apply to everybody. There's somewhat of a, of a, of a bell curve around this, but we're trying to give you some ideas of some, uh, some categories that you, could, you could, uh, um, could think about here. Um, same thing for kids who, now to contrast this, kids who get bullied. Generally, the kids who get bullied do have, now again, this is a, not a hard and fast rule. They generally tend to be quiet, cautious, and they tend to be sensitive. So that would make some sense 
because they the one who's bullying would get a reaction. They often have lower than average self-confidence or self-esteem. They tend, tend to be physically weaker. And they also have a resistance or afraid of getting hurt. There's fear of getting hurt. There's another characteristic that we see a lot is they find it easier to associate with um, adults. So this amounts to kids who bully are generally ones, in a lot of cases, the teachers like. They're ones that other kids associate with. They're ones that have, uh, as we said before, popular uh, relationships with other peers, with teachers, uh, could be popular with uh, the principal, the administration of the school, or in uh, other environments and organizations with churches and different groups that they're in, they may be really well liked. The kid who gets bullied may have trouble making friends. They may not be comfortable reaching out and uh, having a good support group around them. They may not be as big as other kids. That's again, not, none of these things are necessarily true. Um, sometimes kids who get bullied might also have some developmental issues. So a kid who has a developmental issue and knows he might he or she might be uh, not as successful in an activity, of course, they may be a little more cautious about joining in an activity or joining in with friends. So a kid who gets bullied, you can see them as sort of flip sides or mirror images of each other in a few different ways. Anything to add there, Master Sanborn? Um, no, sir. This was stuff that I pretty much understood pretty well. Okay. All right, now there's a special case of this that's a little bit of a combination of these two, and it's called the bully victims. Now, these guys, they do both. They get bullied, and they bully. So they do both. They are bullying other kids on a regular basis, and they bully others. Now this is about 6% of the population of kids. So we had about 14% of kids get bullied, about 19% of kids bully other kids in the previous example. In this case, about 6%, now that, that's added into that total, so it's not an additional 6%, but 6%, so six out of 100 kids are these bully victims. And these kids kind of have the worst situation from both. Often they're actively disliked, by other, both kids and adults. The teachers often don't like these, these kids uh, because they're always having to deal with them. They're, you know, hassling other kids and they're complaining about getting hassled by other kids. They're getting bullied and being, and being bullies to other kids. They're having, often having uh, developmental issues potentially. As I mentioned before, they may try to bully weaker students because they're ones that they know they can pick on but then the other kids, because they're not well-liked, are going to pick on them. And then the other kids in the group 
like to see them getting picked on because again, they're not well liked. Now these kids, they have really poor outcomes uh, from other kids. So if you imagine all the negative things that we talked about that can happen to the kids who are bullied, like higher levels of depression, higher levels of anxiety, higher levels of headaches, higher levels of uh, physical issues, and all the other issues that happen to kids who bully, like they might have higher levels of um, convictions in uh, of felonies, which is the worst one to me, but also they have poor academic grades, negative climates at school, um, tend to be more truant, uh, and uh, tend to be, have higher levels of absenteeism and all those things. If you add all those up, you can imagine that this is a major problem for these kids in a lot of different ways. So bully victims kind of have both the worst situation from everybody, but also they're the worst liked of everybody in all these scenarios. So let's move on to what the other kids in the environment want to do. Most kids in the around want to do something. Why isn't bullying taken care of by teachers? And why isn't bullying also kind of self-regulated by the other kids? Why, do the other, why don't the other kids do anything? Do, do other kids not care? Or do other kids um, actively, uh, are they actively, you know, uninterested in what's happening when a kid gets bullied? Are they interested? Do they want to help? What, what's going on with that? So let's talk about that a little bit. Um, what, what about the other kids? And what we find is most kids want to do something, but why, why aren't they doing anything? So here, let me give you some stats on this. 38% of kids figure it's none of their business. So they don't, these kids, about a, quarter, about a third of the kids don't really think they should do anything. It's none of their business. They should leave well enough alone and they don't want to get involved. About another third, about 27%, think they should help. But they don't. Now, why don't they? We'll talk about that in a little bit. Bit. And about another third of the kids, about 35%, try to help. So if we look at this data, what we, um, what we, what we know from this data is that you can roughly think about this as about a third, a third, and a third. About a third kind of ambivalence in some of their business. About a third think they should help but don't. And about a third do try to help. But that means the majority of them, if you add these two up, 27% and 35%, that adds up to 62%, if I'm doing my math right. 62% of kids do think they should do something about it. 62% of the kids don't like bullying. They don't like the bullying to happen, but they're not doing anything about it. So why aren't they? Why aren't other kids doing something about what they think is a problem. Now this, by the way, applies to adults. Everything we do in this module and when we're talking about these things would apply to adults too. They generally think they should do something, but they don't, why not? Don't know what to do. Yeah, they don't, well, they don't know what to do or 
maybe there's some other reasons. So let's talk about those. Okay, so why, why don't they help? Or why don't they think it's effective? So some of the kids that help will talk about that. So here's some interesting data. 66% of the kids felt that the staff, the other people around them, and again, by the way, adult data is very similar to this, responded poorly. So if you were a kid and you helped, but two thirds of the staff felt, you felt that two thirds of the staff responded poorly, whatever they did, they might've uh, you know, blamed you for the problem, blamed the kid who got bullied for the problem. They might've not done anything about it. They may have ignored you. They may have yelled at you for bringing the problem to their attention, whatever the problem was. And I, again, we're not blaming teachers for this. They, they often aren't educated as we talked about in the other modules. They aren't told how to identify the difference between conflict and bullying, which is a different, uh, which is, there are two different things. And they don't necessarily know which one to, which tools to use in those cases. 6%, only 6% of the kids interviewed thought that the staff responded well. So imagine that. 66% of the kids thought the staff responded poorly. Only 6% thought the staff responded well. And then the difference was just an in-between. Okay, so that's one reason. Here's some other information. In another study, uh, this was of middle school kids. This was of elementary kids, the first one. In an L a middle school study, they asked some ninth grade students uh, whether or not they thought the teachers were interested in helping. So, you know, this one, the first one I just mentioned was whether or not they responded well. The second is, do you think the kids were interested in helping? And this is what the kids said. The kids said that 35% thought the teachers were interested. They only thought 25% of the administration, the principals and the school administrators were interested in helping. 44% didn't know. And 25, 21%, thought they were not interested. So that means about 65% of the students didn't think or didn't know whether or not the teachers were interested in helping. So think about these two statistics that we just talked about. In one case, the kids about 66% of the time in our other, or 62% of the time in our other discussion, the kids wanted to help. They either didn't do it or they did, but they wanted to help in either scenario, 62%, about two thirds. 
And in this case, why we ask, well, why don't they help? About two thirds of the time, they don't, they're either not sure or they're pretty sure the teachers may not be very responsive. What this means is a lot of times the kids are helping even in spite of whether or not the teachers are supporting them. And in fact, most more often than not, the kids are helping when the teachers or the administration may not be supportive of them. So the conclusion that we would come to here is the kids are doing their job. Remember, let me be clear about this. 62% want to help. What did we just say there? 65% don't know if they're having support. Those are the opposite numbers. This means the teachers may not help them. This is the kids want help or want to help stop the bullying. And the 65% means that they don't know if the teachers will help them. These are the opposite statistics. These are not matching even though the numbers are very close. So if, you want, if we understand this, that means if it was 50-50, then it would mean that the kids about half the time wanna help and the teacher about half the time wanna to, want to support them. Maybe that matched up and maybe the kids wanna help when they get support from the teachers. But this is not the case. This means that very much of the time, the kids wanna help. If the kids wanted to help 100% of the time and the teachers were zero, that means the kids get zero support from the teachers. This means a lot of the cases, the kids get very little support from the teachers, about twice as much as they would, as uh, uh, only about, that means only about 35% of the time they get support. That would be the equivalent statistic about how much they get support. Does that make sense? Yeah, so 62% of the time they wanna help, about 35% of the time they get support. And even then, that's not gonna be a one-to-one -one correspondence. So no wonder it's a difficult situation in schools. All right, did you have anything to add, Master Sambor? So by support, kids are looking for any type of positive response to them helping? Well, they may not. What it means is, is the kids aren't expecting support from their teachers or their administrators, probably. Right, but they're looking for that. They, that's, they would know what to do if they thought they were going to get help. We don't know if they're looking for that or not. What we know is, is that they're not expecting it. They, they don't think that it's available. They don't think that there is any support available. So that's what this means, is that they're what we there these are not correlated if it was 162 percent of kids want to help and they all thought the teachers and administration were supporting them why wouldn't they think that well that's because there's no they're not being told that 
that the administration and teachers want to support them and or when bullying happens, they don't see any evidence that they're getting support or help from the teachers or administrators. Or if they're bullying other kids themselves, which 19% of them do, then they're not getting stopped. Right. So if I'm bullying another kid and I don't get, um, if I don't, if I'm bullying another kid and I don't get stopped, then I know it's okay to do. And in fact, I get benefits from that because I get more popular at school. I get higher status because you get higher status if you bully another child and nothing happens to you. I'm in a higher power position. Now, let's also related to this, how talk about how and for a lot of the people that are listening to this, whether you're a parent or whether you're we have Master Samuel, who's a martial arts instructor, I'm a martial arts instructor, or maybe you're a teacher or an educator or somebody that works at a, a church that works with kids or anybody who does work with kids. Um, it's important to know how adults bully children. And we do this often without knowing, without knowing how we might do this. So how do, how do adults bully kids? And, and we all might We all might do this unknowingly, or maybe when I tell you this, you know it, but you just didn't recognize it as bullying. Remember, what was the definition of bullying? It was three things. Intention to hurt, repeated over time, and an imbalance of power. The imbalance of power as an adult, you have that automatically. So we can check that off the list. You do have imbalance of power no matter what. Repeated over time, there's lots of behaviors that we as adults repeat over time with kids. If you're a teacher and you have to remind a kid of something a lot. Now, intention to hurt is frequently not the case when we're working with kids. So that wouldn't be bullying, but it might be perceived and it might be, we have to be careful about, I wouldn't consider you reminding the kid to do something and take their, if you're a parent and you're reminding your kid to take the trash out and they get upset about it, you didn't have any intention to hurt your kid's feelings that way. However, it could be perceived as that. And so therefore it might have the same emotional reaction with your kid. So we have to be a little bit careful about how we're perceived. That's one piece. It's a little bit different off topic from this, but often things can intent can unintentionally or intentionally be like bullying or adult bully, bully adults bully kids so let me give you some examples uh, mean names and sometimes adults do this just because they've been brought up that way like um you you know you're crying like a baby or you know hey that's you you your, a parent might say something to a kid, again, not meaning it. I don't hear this very much, but, you know, hey, don't be an idiot. Something like that. Um, kids have reported to us in research. They, they try to make me look stupid, make a fool out of me. Different treatment.
from other students. So if one student gets singled out uh, as not performing as well, or they, they look different, this is common. One of the common ways kids get bullied is, uh, is maybe their clothes they wear might be different. They're not dressed as nice. And a, a teacher unknowingly might say something like, hey, you know, where'd you buy your clothes? You buy your clothes at Walmart or you buy your clothes maybe because they're ripped or maybe because they're not fitting as good and unknowingly or knowingly. I mean, that's kind of mean. I mean, you know, that's kind of, you know, that's intended to hurt somebody's feelings. And you mean, it just may be a habit that you have as an adult. And I've caught myself saying things. I don't say those kind of things, but I've caught myself maybe not critiquing somebody in the way that would be, uh, in a in a way that would be as good as I could, and it can be taken this way, and it can be taken in a hurtful way, and it really is mean if I said something like that, if I was saying something about somebody's clothes that way. Uh, sarcasm is a common way, uh, and then embarrassing somebody. Embarrassing somebody, maybe they don't understand new material, uh, maybe they didn't get the math problem right, uh, they, you were explaining something and then, well, if you listened, you would have heard that. Anybody ever, you know, say that in front of people? Well, that's sarcastic and embarrassing at the same time. And you wouldn't think that you're being mean, or you wouldn't, you wouldn't normally call that bullying, but it meets the criteria, doesn't it? It's an imbalance of power because you automatically have that already because you're teaching them. It might be repeated because you might be doing it on a consistent basis. And because that kid might be having trouble, maybe they have a hearing issue. Maybe they shouldn't be in the back of the room. Maybe there's another reason why they're not listening as well. Maybe they have uh, other issues, like maybe they have ADHD. Maybe there's another issue that's compounding this. Or And it kind of is intending to hurt. I mean, if you really think about it, there might be a different approach to saying that that would also get the kid paying attention and get the kid to listen. And you might feel like, well, there's no way I can get the kid to listen unless I say something like that. Okay, that, that is true. There may be another uh, conversation we, we can have. But adults do bully kids. And we learn these skills to say these things from our parents and from other uh, from other sources when we grew up. And that's pretty, that's pretty common. All right, let's go on to, we've got a, just a couple minutes more here. Master Samward, anything else to add? No, a lot of the times, like you said, with the adult bullying, it's more repeated than you even realize when you're trying to get somebody to do something and you go through several different versions of this, trying to make them do what you think they should be doing. And you're not even realizing you're bullying because it's just a constant barrage of embarrassing ways to say it or some, you think you're trying to get them to do it by doing a different verbalization of it, but it turns out that you're just embarrassing the kid or, or sarcasm. And I, I, I know sarcasm is a lot of times thought of as a, a tool for humor but it can be overused as a tool for bullying too. So, and one thing to think about, that's a really good point because we say stuff in our classes when we teach for those of us who are educators. Um, and we also say stuff as regular people, as parents and, 
and talking to people. And we think things are funny. Sarcasm is funny. And there's other things we say to other people that are funny and it gets a laugh. And we think, well, it gets a laugh, so it's okay. And in general, I like a laugh. Um, I have a, one of my hobbies is stand-up comedy. I do that. And I like making people laugh. But Mark Twain said, the secret to humor is truth and pain. And often when people are pointed out truths and when people are, uh, that's not fun. And when we use sarcasm, that is painful. And I don't have a problem being upfront and being anybody who knows me knows that I am certainly capable of telling them the truth and letting them know when things are not working right or they're doing something wrong or anything is, is not perfect. We're not telling anybody to be uh, overly nice to anybody or not be assertive and uh, confident instructor or uh, coddling people in any way. We really uh, want to be everybody to be assertive and confident. And we will direct you to some of our other podcasts about that. What we have to be careful of, though, is those three criteria. Repeated over time, imbalance of power, which you have a lot of power over people, and intention to hurt. And sarcasm is a hurtful way to explain something, especially when you think from a kid's point of view, they don't feel good about screwing something up in the first place. They mess something up. They're not doing something right. They're not doing the math problem right. In a martial arts case, they're not doing the kick right. They're frustrated with it. And using sarcasm wouldn't be appropriate unless we have a lot of rapport with somebody. And then maybe it's fine. And then they enjoy what we're talking about. Maybe or maybe not. Now, if you're an adult teaching an adult, same thing. In fact, I found that adults enjoy that even less, you know, but we, we think that I just said what I said. And when I said that, you might hear it that, yeah, that's true. But think about what I said. You might have felt like you agreed with me on that, but probably what I said is not true. Probably kids enjoy it even less, but they just take it because you have an imbalance of power with them and they can't object. There's no way for them to, um, there's no way for them to uh, accept that your imbalance of power is doesn't override them objecting and saying, "Hey, don't be talking to me that way," because they're five years old and how can they complain to you as the teacher, or they're ten years old even, how can they really complain to you as as your teacher? Um, well, that's all we have for today. Next time we're going to be talking about what to do when somebody's bullying you. So that's going to be a really exciting topic. I know everybody's going to get a lot out of that. And we'll look forward to seeing you next time and our next bullying uh, podcast. And we're going to wrap this thing up and make sure everybody's really educated on bullying, mistruths, and what to do. Thanks a lot, Master Samborn. Thank you, sir.